This Thoroughly Good podcast features an interview with composer Anna Meredith. She's not just a composer. When you hear the interview, you'll find that she talks a little bit about how she defines herself as a creative individual, uh, which I found fascinating. It was an insight which I hadn't really considered. Uh, Anna and I spent some time chatting together uh, about her work, uh, her approach to composing, and uh, what her thoughts were about encouraging people to listen to classical music and attend concerts. Uh, She is someone who, for me, is full of life and full of energy and is a name that really makes people sort of gasp. Actually, she'll probably feel quite embarrassed if she hears that, but um, she may do. Uh, But I know that when I mentioned to friends and colleagues that I was... um, that I was meeting her, there was a there was an element of oh really, uh, which is lovely uh, because that's kind of what the classical music scene, what the orchestral scene, what the music scene needs. It needs people that that make other people go oh, I really, oh that that would be good. Anna Meredith comes with a guarantee. That's what I'm saying, um, and and that's lovely. That's a lovely, lovely thing. There needs to be more of that. I think. My name's Anna Meredith. I write music that is played by both orchestras and children or operas, that kind of thing. But I also write electronics and I perform with a band. And as well as that, I do other bits and pieces like little bits of teaching, quite a bit of radio stuff, little bits of telly sometimes, some judging, that kind of thing. But most of all, I write music. It feels as though we're now at a party and that you've just given me the the introduction that you give people when they ask you what you do. I mean, do you get asked that a lot? Is it a difficult question to answer? I suppose the depressing truth is that most of the people I know and hang out with are involved in music in some way or another, so it's really uninteresting to most people, you know, like that you, you know, that you are a musician and that you do that sort of thing. I think most people are kind of like, yeah, whatever. Are you being self-effacing? Well, I don't know. I just think, you know, it's not a big writing music in some, lots of people write music, whether they're strumming away on a guitar or, you know, writing really serious works for chamber groups or whatever. I think uh, a lot of my best mates are composers, so I, I don't see much novelty factor in it, I guess. What prompted you to, you know, what was the trigger for you to become a composer? Mm. It's like one moment. Yeah, I don't, you know, it's, I do get asked that one a bit, and it's, uh, it, I don't think there is a moment. I mean, I definitely wasn't one of those kids who was writing little pieces at six or seven. It didn't even occur to me that you could write music. In fact, the very, the very first piece I wrote was for my standard grade, which is Scottish GCSEs, uh, standard grade music, and I wrote a piece called Relflections because I spelt the word reflections wrong on the score, and it was for left hand of piano. No, it wasn't for single finger keyboard, you know, the keyboards where you can do the chords with just one finger, and you had to change instruments with your nose, like head-butting, like pipe organ three, you know, seashore six, or that, because all the hands were busy. Um, but yeah, you know, that was the first, that was 15 there, and that was the first piece I wrote. And and that was for your, that was for the equivalent of your DCC? Yeah, yeah. That seemed sort of quite, what was the brief? Do you remember what the brief was? I think it was just write, you know, write Whatever. a piece. Yeah, write, you know, write a short piece for keyboard, and we were all just, you know, pissing about on the, you know, the Yamaha PSS6s in the classroom or whatever, instead of doing the Rick Astley demos, we're all just, I was I just sort of had this like, oh yeah, I can do that, and... And yeah, and I guess, you know, from there I did a few more pieces for my hires, which is like my A-levels, and then, you know, and then I went to do music where I did lots of stuff. I went to York, I put lots of playing, I was playing clarinet and percussion, and bits of running in the new music group, bits of, and bits of writing, you know, but I don't think there's ever like a ping, I'm a composer moment, you just, it's an evolving thing. So, you know, I went to do a postgrad where it was all about composing, but still even there you don't, 
for a lot of time I think you think you're a fraud and someone's going to go uh, okay, hang so on. when did you stop feeling like you were a fraud? I don't even know of that. I mean, I think I can convince myself I'm a fraud now as well. I mean, okay. um, it, it's also, not, you know, what you are is changes. You know, now I suppose I see myself as a producer as well as a composer because I do so much of the electronics and lots in kind of, quotes, pop world where, you know, the, the world idea of a composer feels quite strange but that of a producer which is essentially what composing is as well in some ways you know it's, it's all very you know the, the the word's the least important thing i think in a way um i've seen you at Oldborough doing running a session for your piece connected oh, was it connected yeah, connect it. it was yeah. called connected yeah struck by how much fun that piece was and how much fun other people who were participating in it were were experiencing is that a reflection of you are you generally a fun person wow um that's quite a hard thing you know i i i, I like to have some fun yeah no i'm um. not suggesting no, not that i'm looking for you to say no actually i'm quite boring i'm actually pretty, I'm really, pretty really boring i don't like people um no no i spoke with music i've never I wasn't with, so these are pieces I've written two body percussion pieces so using no instruments but using you know beatboxing and singing and lots of movement I've worked with a choreographer called David Ogle who's a good mate and we've written these two pieces um, second of which Connect It has a part that really young young children we made a sort of simplified version with a kind of exercise video where you teach eight year olds how they can do a version of this piece along to this slightly harder main version and I think I wasn't trying to make, yeah, it wasn't trying to be fun because it is actually quite difficult. Cause I, but I think people have a lot of fun doing something difficult. I think there's a real satisfaction. So actually, I'm pretty unfun in the way I write it. I don't, I'm not setting out to think what would people enjoy. I'm trying to think what would be good and what will make people feel good too. Oh, what is it? Now, I'm sorry to be so nerdy about this. I hope you don't mind me being nerdy. But, but what is the, you know, when you're, when you're coming up with that idea, mm. are you thinking it's got to be good for me? It's got to be good for other people. But what, what is the measure? Of what's good, sorry. Yeah. 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 Um, How do you know when you've got something good? Well, for me, that's quite a visceral, like a physical thing. Like, um, when I'm writing anything, I'll, I'll be t- testing out ideas in my head or singing them to myself. And, you know, if it sticks and I can still sing it on the bus home after I've gone away from my computer or if while I'm putting it onto my computer or again on paper or whatever, I suddenly feel my fists clench and or I feel myself lifting out my seat. It tends to mean because I can see it's got energy, I can see it's got potential and I can see that the kernel of the idea has got legs essentially. And if something makes me go like, ah, oh, yes, I see, I see, I can do it, I can do it. I can see, your, yeah. I can see the whites yeah, the in your mad, eyes the mad eyes, yeah. <laughs> You're so, terrifying. Yeah, thank you, thank yeah. you. Yeah, um, so, um, yeah, so I, I can... when it's Yeah, when, it, when, it make, when, I, when I can see that it's got power in whatever capacity, whether that's power to have space or power to be punchy or power to be, you know... Um, 
you know, power to be beautiful. It doesn't have to be, you know, all bam, bam, you know, bombastic stuff. Mm. But um, yeah, it's quite maybe a bit hard to say, but I've sort of learned to sort of tap into that instinct of, nah, it's not right, it's not right. Ah, there it's right. Yes, yes, yes. What an exciting way to experience things. Mm. Um, Yeah, but it can also be hard because it's so amorphous that, you know, it's so hard to get, yes, this this is what, this is making this work. And sometimes I'm fishing about for... You know, it can be a tiny tweak that makes something click, or an accident. You know, you put in a drum part, and you put in another drum part, and you meant they meant to line up, but they don't quite. But the kind of the messy, um, you know, glitchy drum part you make in the end is what works. And those, you know, it's being able to catch, go, oh, actually, that sounds great, and not not make everything um, line up. I mean, I'm definitely not a craftsman. I'm not someone who enjoys labouring over the detail. I'm always trying to step back and see the big picture and strip away if I can, rather than add. So simplify by stripping away. You mean simplifying? Um, just making sure there's nothing um, extra that needs to be there. It doesn't mean that there might only be less ideas. There might be. You might need many parts to make a single idea. But that I'm not needlessly put layering stuff on top of each other in order to make something better. Mm. I'd rather strip it away and check that the original thing is good enough. And if I can, if it just works on its own, I'll let it work. But maybe in order to work, it might need to have lots of different parts. And how do you know when you've when you've created that um, and you've seen it performed or you've performed it, how do you know when it has connected with the audience? Is there something similarly visceral for you? Yeah, it's really hard to, you know, I've been, especially now I'm doing gigs with my band as well. I'm playing in so many different contexts and gauging how into something someone is, is a really hard thing to gauge and I'm trying not in some ways to worry too much about it I mean I've done gigs where everyone's been seated band gigs and we played a really physical you know drenched in sweat set and I thought oh god they didn't like that and then afterwards you know people come up say raving about it and say best gig ever and be or whatever and and you think oh I didn't I didn't get that at all just because you were seated and you know you were clapped politely and maybe they were whispering or maybe they're on their phones or whatever it is and there's so many things that can make you read other people's language wrong equally it can go the other way you can be somewhere where everyone's chatting and sweaty and you want to just shut up and listen you know so you know we're nightmares we're trying to yeah exactly on stage yeah Yeah, right i understand what you mean yeah getting that balance right yeah but you know sometimes you can't i mean of course if you see somebody moving if you see somebody like staring at you and you know like kind of the heads are going and then the shoulders are going you know then that's a, a lovely thing but i don't want to i'm trying to not assume that not having that doesn't mean it's gone badly and it doesn't sound it sounds as though you're sort of quite well balanced and that you don't seek that out. I think that's what yeah, you're saying. I tr- yeah, exactly. You tr- I try not to. It's lovely when it happens, but there's different you know, environments. People aren't sure what they're meant to do or whether it's okay to have a dance or whether you know it's okay to get out of your seat or whether it's okay to chat to your friend you know all that sort of stuff can be difficult especially when maybe with people see the word composer sometimes yeah. and they think oh god I'm not, I'm not gonna like this or it's not for me or whatever um but yeah I think they just let the music tr- try not to read too much into what you think people are thinking I guess uh, so if so where do you get your motivation from then if you don't if you're not necessarily looking for that hit mm. where where is the motivation to create for you um, well, there is a bit of that. I mean, you know, it is lovely when people tell you they like your stuff and I can't, it would be wrong and absolutely a lie to say that it doesn't, you know, make it worthwhile when you've laboured on something for months and months and months, you know, because so much of what a lot of us do is played once and, you know, you spend months and they're trying to get that balance right in your head of something you spend six months doing that's done once. It's a really tricky, you know, how do you make yourself feel okay about that? It's really difficult. Um so there's a, you know, there's a mix of motivation. Sometimes it's just money. Sometimes it's because <laughs> it's really... Honest. Yeah, sure, right? I mean, yeah. 
Sometimes yes. it's because it's a really important thing to do and it's high profile. You know, other times it's because it's an interesting challenge and you think, oh, I wonder how to do that. Yeah, OK, I'll give that a go. Um, but other times it's just, you know, there's been things like you know, an album I've made recently, which has been entirely driven by me and funded by me and taken an unbelievable amount of work and having to carve out time away from things that other people are asking me to do to do this thing for myself. And that's taken a, a lot of working out, I guess, what I wanted and working that I wanted to make an album, working out how that was going to happen, when that was going to happen, who was going to be involved, how I was going to fund it, you know. Um, so, you know, it's... I guess checking in with yourself what where you're at what kind of things you want to do what kind of things you do well you know I don't want to be someone who churns out crap music and takes commissions for the sake of it and obviously I mean I'm really lucky to have a, a exciting work but I don't want to just take something um, that I do a bad job with I guess <laughs> What are we going to, what can we expect from tonight's concert? Yeah, so tonight uh, is a, 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 a sort of hour-long show called Anno, and the kind of idea for it came where John Morton, who's the artistic director and lead violin of Scottish Ensemble, which is a, you know, string, or a string orchestra based in Scotland with a harpsichord, um, we met maybe two, three years ago, and he said he felt that Vivaldi's Four Seasons could be presented in a different context with some other music around it that would make it feel like a different object, like it's, you know, remove some of the kind of uh, call waiting um, associations or whatever, you know, make it a bit less of a McDonald's sign flashing up in your face. Because it has become quite bland, doesn't it? Exactly. Just by its familiarity. Yeah, exactly, and, and you don't even hear what it is in a way, you sort yeah. of just go, oh yeah, that tune, right? You don't, I, know, I don't certainly go, oh yeah, that's spring, you know, I just hear the notes of what, yeah, whatever, I know that. And, and he said at the time that he could hear a lot of similarities in the way Vivaldi writes and me, and I was a bit like, what? You know, I'm not sure about that. And But actually I can kind of, the more of, so then after that, yeah, I went away, agreed to do it, um, and I said I wanted to write with electronics, which is something I do a lot now, and also work with my sister, who's a visual artist, um, illustrator, and um, yeah, and we had this, well, not, it sounds like a groundbreaking idea, it's not groundbreaking, you know, we had this idea of play, you know, reinforcing this idea of a year, of the Vivaldi year, not necessarily going so pastoral with it, but that this whole, so placing most of, but not all of the Vivaldi movements, I've cut some, um, into, yeah, you know, <laughs> I've cut oh some. I know, I know. But if you had the whole thing, there'd be no space for me. So had to, you had to be a bit balanced. On, let's, let's focus, focus on, on me. Anna. Yeah, thanks. Well, I, I mean, it's still more about him than me. Okay. But I try to imagine that we kind of collaborated. My idea was that me and him, you know, planned this thing, and I've drawn a shape for the whole year. You know, it goes up and down, and then there's this, and then there's this kind of color, and this sort of energy, and then this happens, and you know, and he's gone, okay, I've got this and this, you know, so we've. There's a shape that maps out this whole year, um, which is essentially still, like the original Vivaldi, lots of short little pieces, but there are threads and I think there's 
stuff, I hope, between the way that we are pieces, and certainly, you know, as a piece of the whole, I think that ties it all together. So you're interspersing Vivaldi's music with your electronics? With orchestra. Uh, and orchestra. Yeah. And visuals that are projected because there's a there's a range of screens here yeah so there's eight big massive screens huge big camera pump eight foot nine foot screens that are in a kind of semicircle. the audience sit on little stools in the middle and what will happen i'm ruining all the fun surprises for you but what will happen is there's a kind of we move broadly speaking from left through the center to right in the piece through this year mid midwinter to midwinter and the players start at the left and then gradually we all move around so that we end in the far right so there's this kind of nice journey through the whole the whole experience as well. Um, a question that's come to mind just hearing you uh, talk about you and working with your sister mm. is um, what did your parents do mm. for a living? Yeah, um, uh, my well, they're both retired now, um, but our dad was a journalist right. and uh, our mum uh, restored paintings um, and worked for the National Trust of Scotland. So um, that's where the visual... I mean, you, yeah. you talk in very visual terms as well, yeah. so clearly you are sort of... you. You are energised. I, I assume you're energised by visuals. Yeah, I mean, you know, I can. Ellie and I, as my sister, work, you know, quite similarly in how we talk about stuff. There's a lot of adjectives. There's not necessarily, you know, so these shapes, these big graphic shapes that I use for, every, you know, every piece I do is these maps. Um, you know, she means we can work quite well together because I think we think in similar language. But I'm not someone who goes, ah, I must look at this, um, you know, this Turner painting and, you know, that. but yeah, I find, I think our, our, the visuals and music is a good combination we, we work well together i have two friends uh one of whom i work with and another one who i know from school who's going to who want want to go to classic music concerts and they said to me when the proms was launched um can you recommend some i'm okay. not going to ask you to recommend prom concerts but what struck me was how frustrating i found that question because mm. i had no idea what to recommend to them okay. because i don't really know them well enough and i don't know what they're exposed to what would you say mm. to someone of our age in order to encourage them to go to their first concert? I think it's to try and, first of all, hear everything with as open a mind as possible, not be thinking, second, that you see an orchestra, hear an orchestra, oh, it's an orchestra. Um, and, you know, try and listen to the stuff. I mean, this is all going to sound incredibly patronising, but, um, you know, listen to it in the same way that you'd hear any music that you like. It's probably got a lot of the same elements. It's probably still got riffs and, to a certain extent, beats and drops and, you know, builds and melodies and harmonies and verses and choruses, you know, all those things that make you love whatever you love, country music, dance music, you know, uh, R&B, you know, all, all, this, all the same materials in there. Um, just played in a slightly different way and you know you can obviously certainly go to some kinds of genre that might be slightly clearer in some of those signposts oh we're back to that bit again but I think it's not it's trying to just see how look for look for the qualities of the music that you like because they're probably there and there's an amazing energy and difference get as close to the players as you can so you don't have that weird distant oh too quiet and they might as well be watching telly feeling and just try and I think, you know, see how much freshness there actually is in a lot of in the in the sound and in the writing. But I think that helps if you're right in there and especially maybe go to something short, you know, um, something punchy. Maybe something you vaguely recognise might help, or maybe it's good to go and go for it and 
you know, go to some big massive, you know, op, four-hour opera, I don't know. Or something like this. I mean, I'm struck yeah, by right. how actually this is quite... I wasn't li- necessarily leading Very there, smooth, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gee, thanks. Yeah. Uh, but, but this is sort of... This is combining something recognisable yeah. with something new. Yeah. Which is weird, because for some people, the problem that, you know, the some people the problem might be for might a problem problem coming to something like this might be I can't believe they're putting Vivaldi with some, you know, electronics with and beats and stuff. And other people the problem might be I can't believe I'm gonna hear some classical music alongside some electronics and beats, you know, so but I think the idea thing is just obviously just not to care, you know, just yes. just come and give anything come and give it a shot. I mean I'll spit this is good, it's an hour. Um, you know, and there's lots to see. You know, I think she's judged the visuals really well. It's not slapped on fusion where there's like crazy amounts of activity. You can see the, the players. You know, I've been to some visual stuff where it's like screensaver, you know, yes. stuff whizzing. It's not that. It's very beautiful, very human, what she's done. Um, and, you know, I think you, you, there's no big secret, I think. It's, you know, it's, it's not Emperor's New Clothes with classical music or anything played on instruments. They're just instruments. It's just notes, just crotchets and beats and all the same stuff that make up every bit of music. And, you know, so it's, it's getting rid of this idea that you're not going to like it just because it's played on a violin rather than a guitar. Um, you know, the, 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 the building blocks of this stuff are probably pretty similar. Um, so if you can just come to it and see it as an experience and, you know, I would say for someone coming to this show, not be thinking too much about me or Vivaldi, just come and see what the whole experience feels like. That would be the, the way I'd... The way you talk about it make, makes it sound as though I'm in store for a sort of three-dimensional experience, almost. In what way? Well, in terms of it's immersive, it's mm. it's surrounding me it's three-dimensional as opposed to just looking at some yeah that, yeah we wanted I mean. to we want to keep the you know keep it in a bubble for this whole thing you know some there are moments of silence but generally it's meant to be this that you're you feel this year happening around you for an hour um and that you're in it and you know you're literally surrounded by live players electronics and visuals and that cocoons you you know i think our original idea was to get a biodome for this thing you know that you went into this space where you hopefully leave your preconceptions of of four seasons or Anna Meredith or Eleanor Meredith or string orchestras or harpsichords or any of that stuff at the door and you just let this thing happen on its own and see if it if you like it uh we're in London at the moment Mm -hmm. uh you're going up to Glasgow with this or Edinburgh with this yeah not till November though we've been rehearsing it in Glasgow last five five six days whatever it's been four five days um but the performances which are again in big neutral warehouse spaces um so they can fit this big installation all these screens um are in november in glasgow and edinburgh and i think they're going to tour it after that which is great it's great to have it's gonna have a life you've been listening to a thoroughly good podcast produced by me john jacob get in contact by tweeting me at thoroughly good or send me an email to thoroughly good at gmail.com